0: 22 That ye put off concerning the former conversion, conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak each every man truth with his neighbor, for our members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may, may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. I, Lord, lift up this service to you that we would honor and glorify you. Because that's the real purpose of worship, Lord, is just to give you praise and honor. We ask, Lord, that our singing, that our prayers, that our preaching, that would all honor and glorify you. Lord, just ask me that, that, I'd ask, Lord, that you would fill each one of us with a special blessing this morning as we uh, worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe uh, This morning's sermon is called Quenching the Holy Spirit. Uh, when we're saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. And we're, we're going to go into some verses about that. But. In 1 in, in Thessalonians 5, you don't have to turn there. Let me just read. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, Paul was uh, concluding his letter to the Thessalonians. And he said, rejoice evermore. So he was telling the people to rejoice, which is a good thing. Pray without ceasing. He was telling them in closing to rejoice, to Pray. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So he said, Rejoice, pray, give thanks. And again, all these are things that as Bible believers we should be doing. And then he adds, Quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. When I look at this, I'm thinking, Rejoice, pray, give thanks positive things like this is what I should be doing. And then he says, quench not the spirit. What does that mean? To quench the spirit of God. So this morning we're going to talk about quenching the Holy Spirit. And to start this discussion, um, I want to point out that, that I want to make it clear that everybody understands that we receive the Holy Spirit when you, that you receive, if you're saved and you're a born again believer, you have the Holy Spirit. In, um, act, and again, let me just read it. In Acts chapter 2, which is the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, um, we can read that, it says, therefore let, um, All the house of Israel know for surely that God hath made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. This is Peter preaching. He says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so, Peter was making the point when he was preaching that when you get saved, when you were saved, if you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. Remember when Peter went to speak to the uh, Cornelius. Remember, Cornelius was a Gentile. Peter was, was, a, was a Jew. So, he goes to Peter. Remember that the the blanket came down three times and he said, eat. And he said, I'm not going to eat anything unclean. And he says, what God made unclean is clean. And then the people came and they were from Cornelius' house and they said, go preach to Cornelius. So Peter realized, okay, God's leading me to preach to the Gentiles. So Peter goes to preach and he preaches the word of God. And what happens? Cornelius believed. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit was manifested with them. They started speaking in foreign languages and tongues. And Peter's like, who can refuse water baptism since they already have the Holy Spirit? They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we can see time and time again that the moment you're saved, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the question is, if you were baptized with the Holy Spirit, how come we're not living like the first century apostles? and the first century church with the power of the Holy Spirit. They were doing all kinds of stuff with the power of the Holy Spirit. And many times today, I don't feel like I'm doing all this much stuff. And I have the same Holy Spirit that they have. There's one Spirit. God has is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We all have the Holy Spirit. We have as much of the Holy Spirit. You don't get part of the Holy Spirit and part you don't get. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they had power and we're filled with the Holy Spirit and many times we don't have power and I think the problem is are we quenching the Holy Spirit because Peter I mean Paul told them the, the Thessalonians quench not the Spirit so apparently we can quench the Holy Spirit and the question I have for you is are you quenching the Holy Spirit? Are you getting the power of the Holy Spirit that you should be having? So let's look at an example. Let's look at Peter and we can see how, how the Holy Spirit worked in him. Peter was an interesting character. And John I'm, I'm just going to I don't need you to turn there. I, I, the problem is I have so many verses because I like to just preach on the Word of God. Uh, I, and I'll give you the ones that we're going to spend time on that you can turn there because I'd have you turn and that's all you'd be doing is flipping pages but just as as an example for Peter remember Peter he was the one who was the first one to acknowledge that Jesus was what the Messiah right and in in John chapter 6 verse 69 Peter said and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ the son of the living God so Peter was the first apostle to recognize that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, which is huge. I mean, Peter was a remarkable guy. And then Peter, probably of all the apostles, was the most passionate. Um, maybe he wasn't the most passionate, but he, he was verbally he, he was the most verbal with his passion about following Jesus. And if you look at and let me just read from John 13:37. It says, and Peter said to him that this is when everybody was walking away from Jesus. He said, and Peter said to him, Lord, why can, why can I not follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. So Peter, when Jesus was about ready to be crucified or or he didn't know he was going to be crucified, but they knew he was going to be, you know, attacked by the the Pharisees and stuff. Peter was saying, I'm going to lay my down my life for you. Did any of the other apostles say that? No. So, so here this man, he had all this this desire, um, and then and, and let, went then and he had all, all kinds of head knowledge, and uh, in Acts 18, verse 10, it says, I mean John 18, verse 10, it says, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it out and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Michaelis. When they came to arrest Jesus, Peter was the most passionate. Could you imagine the arresting Jesus and Peter takes a sword and he whacks, and he must have been he must have been aiming for the head. Maybe he missed the head, or maybe was, I can't imagine he aimed for the ear. He cuts off the ear. And we know what did Jesus do? Jesus healed the the man, right? Because that's not what what Jesus wanted. But but even though Peter was doing the wrong thing. He thought he was doing the right thing and he had passion. And as a matter of fact, Jesus actually, um, in this verse, uh, we we, we rebuked him. Jesus said, put away thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father has given me shall I not drink of it. So Peter was misguided, but he had passion. But then, so here he is. Jesus, Peter is the first to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. I'm going to lay my life down for you. He demonstrates that he's going to lay his life down for him by cutting off the high priest's the the, the, the servant's ear. What happens to Peter next? He denied Jesus three times. Why? Because he was afraid of the Pharisees, and I mean, good reason. They, they killed Jesus. I mean, and they killed. You know, later on, they're going to kill other people. And he was fearful. So Peter had, we would look at Peter and we'd say, Peter had a lot of knowledge. He was passionate for Jesus. But when the time came, he ran away. Right? But then we read um, in Acts chapter 2 what happened to Peter and happened to people in the early church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Um, they received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 was the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit came down upon Peter. Now look what Peter does in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judah and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. So here, Peter who denied Jesus, who ran away because he was afraid of the Pharisees, does what? He's filled with the Holy Spirit and he stands up and starts preaching. And who is he preaching to? The Pharisees. What happened to his fear? Was he afraid of the Pharisees anymore? No. And look at this. Um, Later on in verse 41, it says... um, Then they that gladly received the word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Peter preached and 3,000 people got saved. 3,000. Did he have power? Here he's preaching to the Pharisees. 3,000 people get saved. And this is the guy who had a lot of head knowledge but denied Jesus now he has the Holy Spirit and he's what? Preaching and 3,000 people get saved. And then look what happens in Acts chapter 4, um, verse 2. He's now brought before the Pharisees. He's now, these are the guys that he ran away from and denied Jesus three times. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Okay, let me just actually start with verse 1. Verse um, And as they spoke unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. So here is the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day for it was now eventide. So now what happens? Before, there's my son. Hi, Emmanuel. I usually teach the two-year-olds And I haven't been here a while, so Emmanuel saw me and he wants to come up. And that's good. That's good. But he's not allowed to do that, I guess. That would have been a good... His dad made him stop, see? That would have been good if he came up. But anyway, what happened? Peter now, the same one people he was afraid of, he's confronting and they arrest him and they're going to throw him in jail, right? So what happens is we see that when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and what was the difference? Peter was unique, different than us. We receive the Holy Spirit when we're saved. Peter didn't receive this Holy Spirit until what? The day of Pentecost, right? Because what happened was Peter uh, was a follower of Jesus Christ, but he didn't have the Holy Spirit. He had a lot of head knowledge. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He was going to lay his life down for this guy. But he didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. When he preached, 3,000 people were saved. When he was confronted with the Pharisees, he he, 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 he didn't care what they did to him because he had the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can see here how Peter could have, be a believer, but he didn't have the Holy, the, power, the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, but we can quench it. And so let's look at this a little bit. So we're falling back to where you guys, we started out by looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, right? That's where you guys, um, we read when we started here. So let me go back to that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 23. So look what it says here. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So the first thing is that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we want to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What does that mean? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. As a Christian, do we think the same way as the world or should we think the same way as the world no the world thinks differently than we do and how how is that how is the world different than us if somebody does something to you what's the world's way figure out some kind of revenge get back at them right what's What's the way we're supposed to respond? Turn the other cheek. We love them. And so the first thing he's saying is, renewed in the spirit of your mind, that that if you want to avoid quenching the Holy Spirit, you've got to change the way you think. Here's a good example. The Bible teaches creation. The world teaches evolution. What are you going to do? If you want to renew the spirit of your mind, this is not an issue. God created. God created in seven days. That's what the Bible teaches. And so there's things like this where when we fail to renew our mind, when we want to get revenge, when we want to get angry, when we want to do these things, what are we going to do? We're going to quench the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in us. But we're not going to be. Led, we're not going to have the power of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing he said is, in verse twenty-three, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I, I hate this word, but I'm going to use it—a Christian worldview, because people use this and they use it in the wrong way, right? But we have to have a Christian worldview, and it should be based on the Word of God. The Word of God should be our worldview and when we do we're going to be getting more power from the Holy Spirit as we follow God and when we quench when we we we, we have a worldly view we're going to quench that power so the first thing it says here is to um, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and what's the second thing and, and verse 24 and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So what does it say? That we have to be put on this new man, which is what? Created in righteousness and true holiness. So if you want to be following and led by the Holy Spirit and not quenching the Spirit, you need to live a life of righteousness and true holiness. What does that mean? Righteousness. It means doing what's right. It means, obviously, the and a point I want to make. And I'm, I'm I'm going to stop in a second. This is all done through the Holy Spirit. This is not. This is impossible to do in your own power. But we should be striving in all areas of our life to be righteous. Uh, here's an example. We don't steal but sometimes the IRS has some really bad tax laws that we don't like and we sort of avoid them by not claiming stuff on our tax returns and it's okay because it's the government is that righteousness no no we need to be righteous in every aspect of our life at work you know there's it's easy to not it's it's easy to take it easy you know, you want to be righteous in everything. And true holiness, holiness is being set apart for God. When we were with visiting Janine and Zek, it was sort of interesting because obviously there's a lot of Muslims there. And one of the comments they've been making to Zek is like, you know, you're a better Muslim than we are. And that's because they're trying to live a righteous life. And obviously, that's, not, you know, that's, that's neat that they're saying that because what they're, they're seeing is that their, li- their life is more righteous than theirs is. And that's what will enable them to be a witness there because they're being more righteous. And the whole idea here is that we should, people should look at us and say, they're different. They're righteous. They're holy. What's their problem? They're not like the rest of us are you living a life that people would look at you and say, you know what? You're really different. I don't understand you. And that's the next thing is that it's not only to have this Christian worldview, but to be, um, have true righteousness and holiness. And again, this is not a salvation issue. This is quenching the Holy Spirit, the power of God in you. When you do these things, you're, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. The next thing, verse twenty-five: Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. How many times do you lie? He's saying, as if, if that's quenching the Holy Spirit. We're to be truthful in love. We're to be truthful. We're, 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 you know, when we mess up, we 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 mess. We recognize that we mess up. We're to be truthful. We're, we're not to lie, right? And there's no such thing as a white lie, right? We can be compassionate and caring and loving. We don't have to lie. Um, I know sometimes people want to lie to make people feel good about them, but we can be truthful in a loving way. It's not that like we're going to attack somebody. But the whole idea here is, again, is this a salvation in notion, but it, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. You're, you're losing out on the power of God when you do these things okay verse 26 be angry and sin not let not the Sun go down upon your anger I've seen this happen I've had it's happened to me something happens and I react in anger and I look back and I'm like that was really not the way Christ or God would want me to act but I can't help it because I just get angry and I, I just respond that's a lame excuse. When we get angry, and we will, what does it say? "In your angry, sin not. That when we get angry, that's no excuse for losing control of ourselves. And will that happen? Yes. But we need to ask God to help us. And again, all this stuff is not something you can do in your own power. It's all through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we need to ask God to help me that when I get angry, I don't just react, that God would enable me to be angry and sin not. And then it says, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Is it okay to stay angry at somebody more than 24 hours? no because the sun's going to go down in 24 hours yeah <laughs> you have you have i guess if you got angry early in the morning you have like 12 hours if you want to be angry before the sun goes down right but that's not the principle here the whole idea here is that if even if you get angry you react properly by not sinning and then when you and then you realize that you stop being angry because by the way why don't you get angry because if somebody does something to you. You're just being selfish. You say, well, my rights were violated. Well, so what? Look at Jesus Christ when he was on the cross. Was his rights violated? He created the whole world and he's being killed on a cross for our sins. How much more can your rights be violated? And he didn't get angry. So the whole idea here is that there's really not a justification for anger. But if you do get angry, don't sin. And then stop being angry. And by the way, if you do get angry and you do sin, you need to ask forgiveness of the person you got angry with. But anyway, he says, and again, all this stuff, you can do this and be a Christian, but you're not going to get the power, you're going to quench the Holy Spirit in you. You're not going to have the power of God in you. And then it says, verse 27, Neither give place to the devil, what does that mean? Never, never give place to the devil. Does Satan have any power over you? Satan's, by the way, Satan's a lot more powerful than you are. But you know what? We have Jesus Christ, and He's a lot more powerful than Satan. So, yeah, He has power over you. But if you're in Christ, He has no power over you. And says, so, so neither give place to the devil. You know, when he tries to tempt you, when he tries to do things to you, you have more power than he does because you have Jesus Christ. You can't stand up to him on your own, but through the power of Jesus Christ, you can. And again, are you allowing Satan to, um, to, 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 to control you or to have control over you? That quenches the Holy Spirit in you. And so you can see here that, that then when he says then look at the verse um, um, verse 28 Let not that him that steals steal no more but rather let him labor working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth not. So now he's talking about stealing. <coughs> and again I mentioned about the IRS. We think it's okay to steal from the government because they're you're not, they're unjustly taxing us. Now, it says steal no more. As a matter of fact, you should be laboring so that you can actually give and help those in need. Right? Again, are you quenching the Holy Spirit? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Corrupt communication. Gossip. Are you gossiping? Well, you know, I'm not gossiping. I'm just talking about that person because they've done this, this, and this, and that, and this, and this, and that, right? Well, that's called gossip, right? So the whole idea is, it then it look what it says here, let no corrupt communication, gossip, proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. What is edifying? Build up, encourage. Is what you're saying, encouraging and building up that person. Yeah, they've got a problem. Yeah, they're a pain to be with. Are you saying stuff that's encouraging and building them up or you're tearing them down? Again, not a salvation issue, but are you quenching the Holy Spirit? And then look at verse 30 where he um, summarizes this. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. All these things grieve the Holy Spirit, quench the Holy Spirit, and you know what? You know what it does? It's really hurting yourself because you're not being the believer that God wants you to be because he wants you to have the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be living a spirit-filled life. And look what it says here, because that's sealed into the day of redemption. Do you realize when you're with Christ in eternity, you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit that you're, gonna, you're not going to do any of these sins. And he's saying, why are you doing them now? Because when you do them now, it's really hurting yourself. Because what are you doing? You're quenching the Holy Spirit, and so you're saved, but you don't have the power of God. Don't you as a believer want to have the power of God? And so when all these things, then when you do all these things, what you're doing is you're hurting yourself because you're not receiving the power of God. And, I mean, it just like, it blows my mind. So, think about this. Let me just go through this list real quick one more time. Do you have a Christian worldview? Are you renewed by the Spirit? Are you a new person created to be righteous in true holiness? Are you putting away or re, and, and that word put away means to remove lying? Do you, do you sin when you get angry? Can you control your temper? Are you stopping are, are you holding a grudge against anybody? Do you allow the devil to influence you? Do you go are you going from stealing to giving? Is there any kind of gossip or corrupt communication that gives great uh, that, 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 that that doesn't encourage others? Any of these things will quench the Holy Spirit in you and and and, and 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 cause you to grieve the Holy Spirit. So, how do you how do you are committed to following the Holy Spirit? I think there's three things. I think all these things we talked about, I I hate when I give you a list of 50 things, right? But the thing is, are you committed to aligning your thinking to the ways of God? Christian worldview. That what the Bible says as you study the word of God and you study this book, are you willing to adjust your thinking to the word of God? I remember when I was a boy and I was, trying to be a believer and I would go to school and hear about creation, uh, evolution, I would try to just make them sort of work together and you can't, right? Um, and so the question becomes, are you willing to adjust your thinking? Are you willing to adjust your feelings, anger, temptations from the devil, your anger, Are you willing to align your feelings with the Word of God? And your actions, lying, stealing, uh, gossiping, and others, are you willing to align your actions to the Word of God? So, as we study this, the real key is, are you willing to follow Christ And I believe when you do, you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that you've never received it before. You have you have it there. You all have the Holy Spirit, but are you quenching it? So let's um, let's look at Ephesians chapter. Let's look at um, chapter four, verse seventeen. For a second. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, which is just right in the beginning of this, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's the problem we have. We, we, we get We get saved. And I don't expect this to happen the day after you're saved. But you've been trained in the world all those years before you're saved. You've learned the world. you learn learned how to think of it. And it's the, the word they use is vanity of the world. And we have to change how we're thinking. And so the whole idea here is if we are willing to change, then we're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. But look at what it says here. And I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Again, changing your mind, having the understanding darkened. Okay, so what happens? Your understanding's darkened. You don't even know the power of the Holy Spirit because your understanding's darkened. And it gets worse than that. Being alienated from the life of God. You're saved, but you're not getting the life that God wants you to have. You know, do you realize that God wants you to have the life today that you're going to have with him in eternity? That's what his desire is. Now, we're not going to reach that, but that's what God wants. He wants you to be living that victorious life through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. It's like we don't know. We're blind When I think of our salvation, Jesus gave us, in Matthew 13, a whole bunch of parables about the kingdom. He talked about a mustard seed and everything like that. And I think, one. so the, the question I have is, why aren't we willing to change our life? Why aren't we willing to change our thinking, our feelings, and our actions to get to be The way that we're going to be in eternity. Why aren't we willing to do it? And I think the bottom line is we don't take our salvation seriously enough. And there's a bunch of parables in the Bible about the kingdom parables in Matthew 13. But there's two that are almost exactly the same that I'm going to just... And it's only like one verse. So it's not worth... You don't have to turn there. But in Matthew 13, which is the kingdom parables there's two that describe the kingdom. And, and you know, I've even preached on the kingdom parables and we sk- the other ones, there's like a whole paragraphs and there's all this stuff and there's interpretations and we spend all this time on these other parables and we don't really spend much time on these two parables. But in Matthew 13, verse 45, um, it says, <clears throat> Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking godly, par- goodly pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and brought it. Is your salvation so important to you that you're willing to give up everything you have? Everything you have, all your worldly thinking, all your worldly feelings, all your worldly actions, are you willing to give it all up for the precious pearl of your salvation? And the other one, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field the which when a man hath found, he hideth, he hideth, for the joy thereof goeth and sell all that he hath and buyeth that field. Are you totally committed to Christ? Are you willing to, you know, we sing that song, I surrender all. Are you willing to surrender all? When Willan and I were visiting those guys, I was really convicted. They're surrendering a lot more than I am. They don't have hot water. Right? Doesn't bother them. I'm not sure I could handle that. I could handle it for four weeks if I had to. Their son doesn't know what a screen is. There's flies everywhere. They have cockroaches. Again, physical things that that aren't necessarily important. But are you willing to surrender all? Your neighbor, who's not saved, are you willing to let them do stuff that you think is wrong because you're trying to win them to Christ? Are you willing to surrender all? Is your salvation like the pearl where you're willing to give up everything that you have to get this pearl of great price or this or this treasure? That's what our salvation good. And I think until we get to that point with our salvation, we're going to quench the Holy Spirit because we're not willing to surrender all. Are you willing to give of yourself And when you do, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get power from the Holy Spirit that you never experienced today. I'm going to close with a warning. In Revelation chapter 3, when Jesus was talking to the various churches, Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, He says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would that thou was cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Okay, I'm not sure I fully understand what that means. But I know it's not good. Right? And I don't want to get into discussion can you lose your salvation? That's not what this is about. But it's clear that God gave us His Holy Spirit. He gave us the pearl of such a great price that he's saying the kingdom of heaven is give it all up for this. Are you giving everything up or are you quenching the Holy Spirit? I believe that we can all have the same power that Peter had when he received the Holy Spirit. I think there's some gifts that might not be around today and that's a whole other discussion. But I believe that the power that the people in the early church had, we can have. I think the problem is we don't take our salvation seriously enough and realize the, the preciousness of our salvation. Uh, we say we do, but we, I don't think we do in our actions, that we understand the preciousness of our salvation, that we don't surrender all, and that we quench the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to go before Christ and say, he says, you were lukewarm. I want to be on fire for Christ. And I believe That when you are, that God will give us more power from the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, you are such a loving and merciful God. Even though many times I know I don't take my salvation seriously enough. I quench your spirit. I know that you still love me. You still care about me. I know that I grieve you because because I'm not living the life you want me to do. And people are not seeing Christ through me the way you want them to. Lord, I ask that you would enable me and each person here to recognize the value of their salvation, that they're willing to give it all up, to avoid quenching the Spirit, and to live a life that honors you. And to live a life that would be preparing us for eternity being with you when we will be sinless, to live the life today that you would want us to live with all the constraints of sin and all the problems we're dealing with, that we would lead that life. And Lord, I know that that it's not a much it's not an act of our will and our own strength. You've given us your Holy Spirit, that we. that you have given us the power to do this not through our own ability but through you Lord we thank you so much for the power to do this Lord I just ask that you would give each one of us a desire to want to follow you that we would be willing to adjust our thinking to you that we would adjust our feelings and we would adjust our actions to follow the example of Jesus Christ who as God came down to live on this earth so that we would have an example to follow of how to live in a way that would honor you and that your spirit would then be emboldened in us and the power of your Holy Spirit already in us would be demonstrated in our lives, which would be pleasing to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.